So let me get this straight here. Marco Bezzecchi, the rookie, finished four temps off his first MotoGP win, and no one cared? Tough break. Welcome to the Aston TT on Motorsport 101. That will be a pub quiz question for years to come, folks. Years. A footnote in MotoGP's history. Welcome, everybody. That's episode 376 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And it was the round you've all been waiting for, folks. It was the 2022 MotoGP Assen TT. And it was good. Thank you, Assen, for not letting us down. We were really worried for a minute there going into this that this would suck. And it didn't. And it was newsworthy. And it was crazy, and all hell has broken loose from a MotoGP political standpoint because Francesco Bagnaia won this race reasonably easily, and not a word was spoken about it. It's great. I love when moments like this happen in the show. But uh, let's go around the horn real quick. First up, RJ O'Connell. Good to see you back, buddy. How's it going? Um... I'll tell you that Virginia International Raceway is as pretty and as scenic as everybody who is in the know tells you it is. Mm. I, I I didn't admittedly didn't know much about the place. I didn't know it had closed for 30 years before reopening in its modern and current state. It's it's still very pretty. I got traded to a good week of racing and after recuperating from the weekend, the long weekend that was, I'm back to talk about some motorcycles. <laughs> Good man. Honestly, Virginia does look beautiful. It really does. I, I, I have noticed that in picturing in video game form. I've been playing it on Ride 40 the other day as well. Steam sale. Pick it up. It's good. But uh, yeah, good times all around. With me again, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. You know, if you think about it, underperforming Japanese manufacturers are uh, like a London bus. <laughs> you wait 40 years for one of them to fail to score points. And then both of them do unsuccessive. Both of them fail on successive weekends. How? How does this happen? <laughs> like, this sport is fucked up. Honestly, how, how have we gotten to a point where, like, 10 years ago, it, you could only win if your bike was blue or orange? And 10 years later, we've had back to back weekends where neither of them have scored points. How? This is so weird. I don't this know, is I just... Suzuki Erasure, my friends. <laughs> it's 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 put everything out of kilter. This is MotoGP's multiverse of madness, folks. Speaking of which, Ryan King. Hello, sir. How's it going over there? Hello, uh, man. I just want Brad Winter the to pass some fucking bikes. Uh, it was going well until that last lap. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, to be fair, he did pass some fucking bikes. You know, he was he was running a nice, comfortable P4 until he wasn't. <laughs> and then uh, some some dude on Aprilia dropped the entire fucking vending machine on his chest. <laughs> Straight out of Mortal Kombat. Uh, it, it was which was pretty much what Alicia Spagaro's mace must have felt like because we'll be talking about that in the in the ass and TT from the top because uh, yeah. It's amazing. The podium was actually very quiet. The big story was the man who finished in fourth, Alessia Spagaro, and the man who forced him into finishing in fourth, Fabio Cotteraro, who was not on the timing sheets. We'll get into why in a moment. 
but we'll be talking about that and just how bloody brilliant it was for Malaysia's Magaro in the end. We'll be talking about the flashpoint that got us here, that crash between Fabio and Alicia Spagaro on lap four and everything that has happened since. Let me just say, in the space of the four days it has happened since this happened, there's been multiple statements, multiple rants, and the Court of Arbitration for Sport was involved in a statement. No, really, this has happened. Like, um, shades of 2015, everybody. Remember the good old days? <laughs> Christ, that's seven years. Oh, my God. We're, we're doing the seven-year cycle of professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Only in biking form and also with similar content. Who would have thought it? And there'll be some more silly season notes on this one because we have a couple of more dominoes moving into place. Alex Marquez might have somehow gone up. Like, you might have traded up here out of all of this. We'll talk about uh, that. I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Mm. Oh, we're going to have this out towards the end. It's going to be good. I'm going to make some popcorn. Make some popcorn while I break down where we can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. Um, if you're on Instagram, Motorsport101Pod. And don't forget that our Twitch channel is up as well, TV forward slash Motorsport101 underscore. And you can find all of those details and written pieces, including my thoughts on the Aston TT, with some extra content there on the blog section on our website, motorsport101.com. So you've got our Patreon on there if you want to back us financially, which would be very kind of you if you did. That'd be really cool. But uh, let's get into the Aston TT right after this. So, RJ, are you a sweet or salty man on popcorn? Um, you know, it really just depends. I've got a whole box of kettle corn. It's sweet and salty up in the mm. cupboard. Um, I, I can't go wrong with butter. I can't go wrong with any flavors, like <coughs> any sort of like white cheddar popcorn. Or just like <laughs> white cheddar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, those are, those are usually good. You know, it's, it's hard for me to find a popcorn flavor that I dislike. Fair yeah, enough. I'm, uh, I'm firmly in the white cheddar popcorn. Uh, corner here. Okay, no, I, what about you? Real quick before we get into this. Uh, I'm a salty popcorn person. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm a, I'm a salty man. Yeah, but, or a mix. But, mix of sweet and salty. It always works for me too. But you know what else w it was a mix of sweet and salty? This uh, this Assen TT that we just had this <laughs> past weekend. Oh boy, yeah. Francesco Bagnaia may have won the race in Assen in reasonably comfortable fashion. But let's be honest here. The show was stolen by the man in fourth. It was a pretty as Alicia Spargaro. He was put in the gravel early on. I think it was lap four by a crashing Fabio Quattararo. Um, He tucked the front going into turn five, uh, put Alicia in the gravel. He didn't crash, was able to recover and keep going. Dropped him down to 15th. Um, he would mount a furious comeback, scything through the field. Um, he was sixth going into the final lap. Until he pulls a double overtake at the final chicane on Brad Binder and Jack Miller um, to finish fourth, just 2.5 seconds off the win. He was nine seconds behind when he was in the gravel trap coming out from that incident from Fabio. Um, 
a remarkable performance. I mean, gentlemen, was this the ride of the year so far? I have a question. Um, can we skip the formality process of uh, nom- of uh, having our community nominate uh, Overtake of the Year and just give a lace to Scotty in terms of difficulty, degree of difficulty of the Overtake and the fact that it capped off a championship-saving ride from Alicia Spargaro. That was something. I, I was, I, I've been slacking on my MotoGP lately, but I'm glad I got this. I got to watch this. I'm glad I got to see Alish make this comeback because that was stellar, and it keeps him within a race of Fabio Cordararo at a time where he desperately needed to get back some momentum. Yeah, I mean. That final pass was absolutely inch perfect. I mean, I might, I might give Jason a ring and say, Jason, just close that ballot for me right now. This is a Dreocracy. We have our Scotty Award winner, and it's only June. Um, <laughs> like, um, that's going to take some topping. That was one of the best passes I've ever seen in MotoGP. That's up there. That's right up there with... Miggy at Austria a couple of years ago to get his first top flight win. Um, it's 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 almost I'm I'm like I'm if there was a cool wall for overtakes like on Top Gear, I'd be opening the door of the DB9 fridge where Rossi on Lorenzo from Catalonia 09 is. Just opening the door a crack, just looking inside, and then closing the door again. But it was it was amazing. I mean, you can't. What did you make of it all? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly the ride he needed. You know, you know, all that talk we had over the last couple episodes of uh, all these devices ruining the quality of the racing and MotoGP just uh, asked him through all of those right out the window because, of course, they did. Um, just delete the last two episodes off of social media. Actually, don't need them anymore. They, 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 they don't exist. Didn't happen. Oof. Yeah, I mean, saved. <laughs> I tried to tell y'all preseason that Aprilia was legit. I tried. No one wanted to listen to it, but here we are. Alicia Spargaro is the most consistent rider in MotoGP. We're also burying in a very important lead. Maverick Vinales is back on the podium. We have, uh, we have had a Maverick Vinales sighting. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> we, we, we pointed a telescope at the moon where the crater is king, and we found Maverick Vinales. Oh That's who launched the rockets into the moon. <laughs> he, 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 Yamaha wouldn't let him blow up uh, a motorcycle, so he blew up part of the moon instead. It's a compromise. It's a compromise. No, I, this was Aprilia's best ever weekend in MotoGP in terms of a two-bike result. Um, to finish third and fourth, Maverick was right up there, was you know gambling on size, but if, if it was anything like Germany, where he was running for a podium there as well, before his ride height device failed, maybe, just maybe, the old Maverick might be creeping his way back in. Maybe it's a bit early, but I don't know. It's 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 looking promising. I I have to it's say, a, it's maybe. a hell of a lot more enjoyable to watch than watching the Maverick Vinales who just can't get out of his own way. Oh, God, yeah. it's, good, it's good to see him back uh, showing us what he can do because when he's on it, he is still that dude. Oh, he's still an incredible rider. When he, when, he, when he wants to be, he's still incredible. Like I mentioned it in the intro as well, but um, Marco Bezzecchi is going to be a footnote in history in this race. But what 
that's a ride. That was from Bez in second. Four temps off the win on last year's Ducati, which does, does anybody... I'm not even going to try making sense of the Ducati hierarchy at oh, this oh, point. So, so at one point in this race, we had Francisco on the uh, halfway bike leading. Uh-huh. We had Bezeki in second on yep. the year-old bike. Uh-huh. And we had... Was it Martin in third Martin. Mm-hmm. on the full 2022 bike? <laughs> it's what we always tell you about the consistent, reliable performance that you only get for the Ducati Desmodici line of MotoGP motorcycles. We always tell you that these bikes are so predictable and so consistently good. <laughs> Has anyone listened to the last season of the show? <laughs> anyone? <laughs> Help! Unfortunately, I mean, the the damper we have to put on this for Aleish, though, is that he gained 13 points, and that's all well and good. Got got him back within a race of Fabio for reasons we will get into momentarily. How bad does he feel about dropping the nine points that he did? Because he was bad at math. Because it only undoes a little bit of that damage. On a day where his primary title rival, it still feels weird to say that about an Aprilia rider, mm. um, made a mess of things. Yeah, it was. This was a golden chance. I mean, this this was the first crash Fabio has had, I think, in something like 25 races. Um, yeah, since late 2020. Yeah, like, it's first one he's had all year, and he's just ended up in the bin. It was... It, it, it was wild. So that, and yeah, Leish will look at that. I mean, it wasn't his fault that he was in this predicament in the first place, of course. But that was race winning level pace. Man, Yaya admitted in the press conference after the race was over if Aleish had not been hit by Fabio, he would have won this race. He openly admitted it felt like it was an undeserved win to a degree because of what happened with Aleish. But hey, can he beat any put in front of you? And, um, That's why they run the races. Yeah, uh, could you imagine if Aleish was going into the summer break minus 12 as opposed to minus 21? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, given what's going to be awaiting Mr. Quattararo at the next race, could do some more damage at the next one. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, there's there. <laughs> shall, shall, we, uh, open, shall we open Pandora's Box King? Because I just... uh, let, let me get my gloves. <laughs> I think we're going to open Pandora's box. King, get your stewards book out. This is going to be a fun one. Um, uh, good lord, it is all kicked off in Moto. We're talking about MotoGP stewarding again. Yeah, everybody's favorite topic. Um, what, what, what's the problem? I mean, we fixed all of motorsport stewarding. We fired Michael Massey. Ah, <laughs> damn it. Every time we think we fixed it with firing Michael Massey, it keeps rearing its ugly head again. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, God's only Michael Massey died for our sins. <laughs> <laughs> My eyeballs have popped out. <laughs> that, that's up there with one of King's. That, that's an all-timer from King. God's <laughs> almighty. Um... Um, While Cam finds his glasses, which has been smashed on the ground in shock, 
let's break down how we got to this point. Because we are recording this on the 29th. It's been four days since this race happened. A hell of a four days. And, uh, well, let's just say it got ugly. Well, a few hours after the race had finished, um, and everyone was packing up to go home, the MotoGP stewards' office, uh, who had said they were going to investigate the Quattararo-Espargaro crash after the race, decided to give Fabio Quattararo a long lap penalty for the next round at Silverstone when we come back from the summer break. So, uh, yeah, um, that did not go down well um, at all. Um, so much so that Fabio Quattararo marched straight to the steward's office. Um, so much so it was also weird because they actually filmed it and put it on their website. Like Fabio in the steward's office talking to Freddie Spencer. Um, it was uh, it was a uh, weird one. Everyone's favorite. Uh, everyone's favorite steward. Freddie oh, Spencer. Yeah. They love him. Like he's he's now number one in the power rankings after Michael Massey's um relocation, shall we say? Were um, they telling, which finger were they telling him he was number one with? Um, the middle? pinky. Mm. Obviously, the uh, pinky. Um, oh, we're being very fancy today. Yo, that we? that Instagram post went viral. I I thought it was just like first he marched to Instagram and then he marched over to the steward's office. Yeah. Let me let me let me give you the dramatic reading. Sure. Well, a long lap for the next race. Now you cannot try to overtake because they think you're too ambitious. From the beginning <laughs> of the year, some riders made racing incident, but apparently mine was too dangerous. Congratulations <laughs> to the stewards for the amazing job you're doing. Next time, I don't try any overtake to think about not taking a penalty. <laughs> That was literally word for word how he typed it up with that weird big Instagram font and the sarcastic clapping emojis. It was great. Um, happy holidays, everybody. Um, that that was the last post Fabio said before going on holiday because, uh, yeah, uh, he was on holiday. People got steaming mad about this. Van Man was absolutely raging. Multiple angry blog posts were written. Um, like, what are these stewards doing? This was a racing incident, etc., etc. And yesterday, it, the, it, it got thicker because uh, Yamaha team boss Lynn Jarvis released a statement in collaboration with the Monster Energy Yamaha team in general. Uh, here, here's the... Uh, I'm not going to read the full statement because it's, it's actually a bit lengthy for a statement, but I'll read out the key point here. Um, this is from Lynn himself. Quote, Fabio Quattararo, the Monster Energy, Yamaha, MotoGP team, and Yamaha have always striven for fairness and sportsmanship in MotoGP. We are disappointed to see the inequality with which penalties are applied by the FIM MotoGP stewards panel. We wanted to appeal the decision of the stewards on Sunday at the Aston track, but this type of penalty is not open to discussion or appeal. We then wanted to raise the issue as a matter of principle, with the CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Hmm, yes, that CAS. But equally, such a matter is not open to appeal. It is precisely for these reasons that correct, balanced, and consistent decisions should be taken by the stewards in the first place and executed with the correct, reasonable time frame. Um, long story short, fellas, Yamaha be pissed. Um... <laughs> Capital letters painted red. 
they be angry. Um, they they want action. Um, I mean, gentlemen, I ask first and foremost, was this a deserving penalty for Fabio? Now we've seen it, and how much are the stewards to blame for the messy reaction? Snap reaction. Um, I am no writer. I only I, I rewatched the highlights of the race because that this was the part of the race I missed upon first watch, and I, I felt like Fabio could have waited a few more corners to get this move done. But yeah, never know. It may have been one of those instances where, like, if you don't make a move now, you're never going to make it back because the lace is going so fast. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it would probably would have been cool just to take the points. It's tough. Uh all right, gonna gonna put my hazmat suit on. Um, once more into the behind the, well, once more into the breach, Buckley. Um, uh, pr- pretty much a copy and paste of the notes you have here. Uh, was the penalty deserved? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it wasn't a low percentage move. It was a no percentage move. He completely failed to make the corner, and he he just he, he rode Alesh off into the gravel broke his own bike, got back on the bike, and then crashed again because that initial uh, spill broke one of his uh, one of his electronic sensors, his traction control sensors. Here's the problem, though. Oh, God. Uh, Nakagami's crash with Banyai and Rins wasn't penalized. Nope. Nakagami on Rins and Mugello, which was about equally as ridiculous. Not penalized. Mm-hmm. Jack Miller uh, on Mir. Where was it? Portamau? Portamau, yeah. Um, not penalized. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Banyaya on, I want to say it was Martin. Yeah. Back in Qatar. Yep. Was there a penalty for that? No. no. So the precedent that's been set all year by. Freddie Spencer and his band of incompetent clowns <laughs> is there is no line for riders to follow. They don't know where they are. Racing drivers slash riders are stupid and they are going to take the limit as far as they can go. That is their job. That is why they get paid the big bucks. So was the penalty deserved? Yes. But we've had plenty of other penalty-worthy crashes this year that have been left not only with... Because a long lap penalty isn't the end of the world. No. It's not a race ban. It's not a, a pit lane start. But we haven't even had any action on those other crashes this year. Our, our friend of the show, Steve, uh, points out that this was an almighty eat from Fabs. But, Dre, you're about to launch into a point that I think is really fascinating about all of this. This, this, seemingly, this seemingly hypocritical reaction from people who have wanted riders to get harsher penalties uh, for contact in races. And now that somebody has been thrown the book for pet contact during races, they're like, whoa, whoa, way too far. Yeah, that was the overriding feeling that I got seeing the snap reactions on Twitter after the race had finished. And, like, the overriding theme that I've noticed when it comes to how people talk about MotoGP and the stewarding is that 
you know, we've wanted harsher punishments towards the riders for reckless behavior. Yes. And and that has been the that's the general theme that I've noticed in the last maybe three or four years or so, right? Yeah. Now the thing is is that as Cam quite rightly says, was this the most egregious of incidents? Absolutely not. Was was this worthy of a penalty? I agree with Cam. I think it was reckless. I think Fabio had no chance of making the corner. And I think he's ruined the man's race as a result of it. And yeah, I think a long lap penalty was a fair and correct decision for what it's worth. In a vacuum. And that's the problem. In a vacuum, this was a perfectly reasonable decision. The problem is I've had most of the main people I respect in bike racing say this was a racist incident, which one, I completely disagree with. And second of all, isn't this exactly what you guys wanted? Like, I thought you guys wanted harsher punishments. I thought you guys wanted the stewards to get off their hands and start throwing penalties around the people. Oh, it's happened. It's a rider that they like. But that's... That leads me to the interesting that you that you think because I am starting to I, I when you put this out here I agree that Yamaha might be deliberately blowing this way out of proportion so they can agitate for a change in the stewarding board. I must admit. This is a bit of a wild theory for me. I don't normally dabble into this sort of, like, almost conspiracy-based talk. But for me, I can see no... I mean, like, as Lynn Jarvis admits in his statement, he can't overturn this. You can't get a long lap penalty overturned. It's not in the... It's in the rule book. You can't overturn a long lap penalty, right? So why else, for what other good reason... Would Lin Jarvis essentially... Oh, I would say throw his toys out of the pram, but he's thrown the pram into a ditch, quite frankly. He's like... like This is a full-on strop. But, I mean, you, you look at some of the other parts of the statement. There's, there's parts you in you says, don't quote, leap. You don't leap to the Court of Arbitration for Sport as a first response. <laughs> like, imagine sitting down after that race is saying... Can the court look at... Can, can Kaz look at this? Can the CAS look at this? I'm like, over a long lap penalty. Like, like Lynn Jarvis must have absolutely blown a blood vessel on Sunday night for that to be the first thing to come into his mind. Is it 2015 again? Like, it feels like it's 2015 again. So my point I was going to make here is that when you're coming out with rather petty comments like, oh, the... Uh, yeah, yes, Alicia Spagaro's race was 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 hampered, but it was a the severeness was a quote matter of conjecture. Have you ever heard of an incident in a race <laughs> described you know, as you a know, matter the, of the, conjecture? The crash, you know, the crash at Cops did happen, but it's a matter of conjecture whether Verstappen's title was really affected. <laughs> I just could you. Uh, if if that had come out in Formula One at the end of last season, people oh on Twitter would have Lord. lost their collective shit. <laughs> like there there would be piss flung at the walls. <laughs> well, uh, and the problem with this decision and the decisions preceding it is that it creates a situation where the stewards are damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they don't penalize them, 
rider just put someone in the gravel and ruin their race and ruin their own race with no penalty. Mm. If you do penalize them, and they did, well, what about it, it triggers a case of what aboutism for all the other incidents that they have let slide this year that have directly affected the championship? Yeah, that's the problem. There's no middle ground here. Once you've decided to take that swing and go the other way and change your approach, your previous incidents and track record will be used against you no matter what. You can't win in that scenario. It is an unwinnable situation. It's, it's, it's the Kobayashi Maru of MotoGP stewarding. It's, it's, you're, you're in, you can't do it. And the overall point I was going to make here is that why else would Lynn Jarvis in Yamaha write a whole ass statement three days after the fact for a penalty they know they can't overturn? What other reason could it possibly be than to try and kick up enough of a stink to try and get Freddie Spencer outed? A public Anyone? humiliation, a public humiliation campaign. Out the because at the end of the day, the stewards are not the face of the sport. But if you make them the face of the sport and you make them the reason why this bad thing happened to your this team that you like, Mm. you make yourself the good guy in that situation and you paint someone else in a bad light. Much like NHL referees send flowers to Major League Baseball umpires (laughs) every day because without them they would be the worst officials in North American big sports. Um, I'm betting Formula One officials at times have to send MotoGP stewarding panel a whole bouquet of flowers. Well, (laughs) and at this point, like, as David Emmett of Moto Matters quite rightly puts on Twitter, like, Spencer's failed to put out a consistent line for riders to follow. He's lost the sport. He's lost the confidence of the riders. He's lost the confidence of the teams. If we're going to continue with the panel we've got, they have to drop Spencer. You reckon? Like, like, like Michael Massey being, a, being the face of systemic problems, Spencer has now become the face of systemic problems with MotoGP stewarding. Rightly or wrongly. I think it's a bit of both. Are, are, are we there? Are we at that point where I think I think if Yamaha is willing to issue a statement that damning, they've lo- he's lost the riders and the teams. Like, but is that going to be enough for for either Dorna to make a move or for Freddie to even maybe resign? <coughs> because I don't my think man, so. his heat has been nuclear. For a good month now. Like, he was torched by Alex Rins after Catalonia. Like, I, I, I believe he called them, he called them cunts in another statement, which is about, which, <laughs> about, uh, as, um, about as strong as you can get without, uh, without hovering into slur territory. Hi, Yuri right. Dips. <laughs> senior. Um, um, how you guys yeah. doing? Terrible? Good. Good. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it, it's, it's more more on that when we talk about Formula One next. Um, whenever that is, I just I don't see how his position is is still tenable when you've got 
geez, half a dozen riders have come out openly against you. Teams are coming out against you. It's it's not. It's, something has to change. Something somewhere along the line has to give. Whether it's him, whether it's Dorna issues some kind of statement, something has to change because it's not. It's getting worse. Yeah, because because that's the thing about this as well. Dorna stayed silent on this matter pretty much the whole way through. They were they 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 refused to comment on Catalonia's incident and and Alex Rin's comments about race direction. Um, we we did get a statement from Spencer explaining why Nakagami wasn't penalized, but we didn't get one on the comments that Rins made about race direction. They've mm. largely sat on their hands through all of this, and this is not an ideal scenario at all. Like it's it's tricky to say the least. And- and no matter what, no matter what precedent they set going forward, if they do, and no matter what decisions they make, no one is going to consider it in good faith anymore. King, what do you make of it all? I mean, is this untenable? Uh, I wouldn't say it's untenable, but it, it's clearly an intimidation tactic where even if Spencer doesn't get fired, it'll make him think twice about giving any Yamaha rider a penalty. Because that's the thing, right? What if, what if we get a similar incident at Silverstone and, like, and, and then Stewart, then Spencer's got to make a call, one way or the other. He's damned either way here, surely. Well, like, he should just he should just ignore what Jarvis says. It's as simple as, and like, and just hope it goes away eventually. And just like, because at some point, Lynn Jarvis is going to look like an idiot for constantly complaining over these calls. If Freddie Spencer's really about it, he comes to he come he shows up Sunday dressed like Judge Dredd. <laughs> I am the law. <laughs> uh, look, it's it is a messy scenario. Again, we'll keep you posted if anything happens regarding that. But you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't in this scenario. Like, and I I don't envy Spencer in that position at all. Um, he's probably gotten a few of these wrong, but um, mm, this I'm one having, probably... I'm having trouble. Uh, other than this one, and again, like. Look at look at Nakagami and that yeah. crash that ended up breaking Rins's wrist was far more severe than this. Mm. No penalty. No kidding. There's there's no consistency here. None. That is a problem. That is a problem. Um so before we get out of here, we had a bit of silly season talk as well come out of this around because transfer uh, market, baby. Let's go. Transfer market. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about transfer market because Formula One ain't giving a shit. <laughs> no. We, we got we got nothing over there on four wheels. We got some spice on two wheels. Um well we got a, a, a an absolute confirmation on Sunday on race day. Alex Marquez to Grassini. He is taking an Aya Bastianini seat next year. Grassini have confirmed their lineup next year will be Alex Marquez and Fabio DG Antonio, who will stick around for the second year of his contract. Um, like, he he might have actually folded up in all of this. I mean, Cam, you're not so sure on this one. <laughs> oh, I was I was actually thinking uh, I thought we were talking about Alex Renz earlier. When that ah, see, I had a feeling we were, because like, it's 
It's funny you mention this because he hasn't confirmed it, but given that he said that there was only one party that was prepared to give him factory backing, and that party was Honda, it looks like it's all but confirmed that Alex Rins is going to LCR next year. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) It's better than being out of the sport, but it ain't good. Not on current evidence. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. My first thought was, how in the cinnamon toast fuck did Honda get such an upgrade here? Like... They're probably going to have a. They're probably going to have a lineup in that team of Rins and Ayagura, who's been balling in the lower category this year. Yeah, great. Um, he was he was second in Moto Two this weekend as well. Um, yeah, he's been he's been he's been taking a big step this year, which I love to see because I do like mm. Ayagura. Mm. Um, Alex Marquez. Please just show up next year. I want to see you do well. I want to see you smile. <laughs> we have we have family related to podcasts, so they're highly invested. Uh, uh, deeply. Um, deeply, and I think he's on a much. I, I think he's on a much. Uh, I mean, he's in a situation where he's probably he's going to have an easier bike to ride, a more sorted bike, mm. and a team that probably less pressure riding on his shoulders. A team that actually values him, because remember, Alex Marquez got shown got shown the door before we even started his first year at Repsol Honda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one test, and he was already effectively fired. Yeah, he said straight up, um, "It was it was needed. I needed a change. <laughs> Basically, um, he needed a change of scenery, and he was feeling miserable riding a Honda." Which, yeah. I get it. Yeah, well, I mean, Paul Espargaro is so miserable. He was in so much pain, he just didn't show up this weekend. And I can't blame him. <sighs> oh, boy. Like, it's... You needed the change. Look, there is nothing good about Honda. Refer to uh, the Honda rant from previous episode regarding this. It's, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. But, of course, because they're Honda, they also are able to get Alex Rins. Well, Time is a flat uh, circle. Good luck, Alex. You are certainly going to need it. It's a great team on pay- like Honda is going to have a homegrown stud in Ayagura, Alex Rins, likely Yoan Mir, and Mark Marquez next year, and we could not be down worse on them. To have Honda swooped in and picked up the remnant, both remnants of Suzuki's, in theory, because Mir is still not a done deal at this point. That's probably the best available seat. It's which is just like really it's sad. wild to sit here and think that the weakest link of Honda is Honda themselves, mm. with in theory four exceptionally capable riders, mm. three proven com- three proven winners, and an intriguing prospect. Yeah, oh, intriguing yeah. prospect. Two two proven uh, proven race winners. One of them being a world champion in theory, uh, if he does indeed sign. And we got an update from him, and he's he's progressing as well as uh, as well as could possibly be hoped with uh, Mark. But it's still going to be a question of whether he's one hundred percent by the time he comes back and how the arm heals. Yeah, 
they're still, they reckon, I think, maybe six weeks away from uh, any sort of actual training on it. They, I think they're due another X-ray update in about six weeks' time from Marquez's update regarding that. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, also, uh, it looks like Miguel Oliveira might be going to RNF next year with Aprilia. Shit, that's probably an upgrade. That 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 could be a snag for for RNF. Like, mm. like I've said it before, Miggy is a damn good rider. And um, go, go, go on, Miggy, go dance on KTM's grave. <laughs> he's he's got to pass some fucking bikes first for that. Um, if uh, Aprilia form is anything to go by, he won't need to pass the KTM's. I'll already be behind him. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Am um, I right in thinking that Ralph Hernandez might get demoted back to Moto Two? There's a possibility, bro. What? Well, when you're retaining your two junior riders against their will because they don't want to be there, mm. that's how it goes sometimes. King, your man's. <laughs> hey, Get I can't. I can't just magically make new bikes. <laughs> we need two more KTM's. <laughs> King, I, I'm gonna be real honest. I think I, I, I think any of us here could drop a more competitive bike than the KTM. <laughs> oh, come on! That's like Brad Binder just finished the race in fifth. He's fifth in the championship, and no one cares because he got dunked through the floor. <laughs> it's just not fair, is By it? By who was until this year a rider on the worst manufacturer in MotoGP? I, it's 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 a strange time. Strange times we're living in. Also, just before we get out of here as well, how wonderful was it to see Wayne Rainey on a bike again? Oh my god! For the first time in thirty years. years. <laughs> yeah, because remember Suzuka Sound of Engine twenty nineteen pre pandemic. He gets on the bike there, but this is, but he gets on he gets back on a MotoGP bike at Goodwood, and that's cool shit. Yeah, well, you can I, practically I, smell the two stroke through the screen. Yeah, a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke, and a lot of tears. I reckon in in in, in that house because uh, yeah, that was a uh... oh, and uh, another piece of news. Mm. Uh, the Finnish Grand Prix probably ain't happening because uh, the owners of the track are bankrupt. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was homologation issues. <laughs> Well, well it, co- it costs money to homologate things. I wasn't, I wasn't aware that uh, Kaimi Ring translates back to English as Circuit of Wales, but... <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, at least they built the Kaimi Ring. They built the track first. That, that's progress, right? We have a track. It's something. <laughs> more, than we, uh, more than we could ever say about the Boston IndyCar track. You, well, we don't go there. We don't go there at all. Um, Right. Before we get out of here, just letting you know, MotoGP is now on its summer break. It's on vacation. It'll be back in five weeks' time um, for the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Like, look, the proper British Grand Prix. Fuck the cars. We don't need them around here. The real shit is on two wheels. It's my favorite Grand Prix weekend of the year for MotoGP. Silverstone is always good. It's on August the 7th. Um, we'll be back for that then. Remember, Moto2, I believe, is the main event that time. They put the MotoGP race on in the middle for some reason. Don't know why, but they we'll talk about that a little bit nearer the time. That'll be on August 7th, so that'll be uh, about a month's time. Um, so, yeah, do, do check that out. It'll be great. But MotoGP's on vacation, so it'll be a little break. It'll be back in a month's time. Um, next up for us will be, God, Triple Header Weekend, Formula E. 
Um, IndyCar and Formula One all this weekend. IndyCar Mid-Ohio, Formula E, Marrakesh, Formula One. Oh, it's Silverstone. Yay. It's Silverstone. Yay. No British bias here whatsoever. Fun times for all. Right, let's get out of here. I'm, uh, places you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, Facebook motorsport101, Twitter motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, at cbuckley917, Instagram motorsport101pod, Patreon motorsport101, and, if you're, and of course all of that stuff and more on our website, motorsport101.com. Check us all out on there. Until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King, Andre O'Connell, and Cam Buckley. And uh, let's not forget, folks, uh, pour one out for Marco Bezzecchi. Because somebody has to. Sayonara. <laughs> Later, y'all. Bye. So, who tries to throw out the inside of cops on a bike? Oh, Andre Rianoni with a steel chair. Oh, no. <laughs> What, the reality TV show guy? Yeah, that one. Crazy Joe, they call him, apparently. Has he had more uh, plastic surgery? <laughs>